This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Three. Nothing personal word of the day. It's another number. Today is Monday, June 5th, 2023. And the word of the day is three because that's the number of wins needed by either the Denver Nuggets or the Miami Heats before winning the NBA championship. Let me catch you up. I'm not going to do the recap because you can go plenty of other places to find out that the Heat won game two on the road, 111-108 in the Mile High City. You can go plenty of other places to find out that Nikola Jokic had an unbelievable game, 40-plus points, not enough assists. The Heat shut him down. They had the great fourth quarter. Duncan Robinson came out and scored 11 points because he hit a bunch of shots. He drove to the basket, yada, yada, yada. That didn't interest me about the game yesterday. What interests me about the game is that Mike Malone, the coach, who is three wins away from winning an NBA title, with arguably the best player in basketball and a team that should be far superior to the Heat on paper. Every team should be superior to the Heat on paper, and none of them are superior to the Heat on the court. What fascinated me is that he chose after the game to go after his team. And I thought that we had discussed this because this is Mike Malone's M.O., He enjoys meeting the media after the game and telling you how crappy his team is Jim Morris style. He enjoys telling you that he's not happy with their effort, that he doesn't believe they're taking it seriously enough, that he thinks they're turning it off and then on and think they can get better, but they're not. And then they lose and then they have a problem. He did it again. Let me give you the quote and let me give you the theory because that's what I've been spending time on today. Michael Malone said, let's talk about effort. This is the NBA Finals. Tell me if this is reminding you of any other time you've heard a coach talk. This is the NBA Finals. We're talking about effort. Effort? That's a huge concern of mine. You guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. The reason why coaches generally don't make it long with teams, and it's rare to have a Spolstra or a Popovich, is that the clubhouse tends, players tend to tune out their head coach 
or their manager. It happened with the Heat where the person running the timeout at the end of the game was Haslam, not even Spolstra. It is completely normal that there is a shelf life for coaches. It's the same concept as a boss or as a parent or as a significant other, where eventually you're looking and their lips are moving and you are doing this. You're putting your hand toward them. Talk to the hand. That's an expression. That's a callback to maybe 30 years ago. Talk to the hand because the ears aren't listening. So we'll sit with our manager and front offices. Pat Riley will sit with Eric Spolstra. And you come up with different ways to motivate your club, different things to do. When they do sounds of the game, has this ever happened to you where there's a sound of the game going on in the NBA? And it's great. I love when they mic up people because you want to know what they're actually saying. But then when you hear what they're actually saying, you're thinking to yourself, wow, I could probably say that when the head coach in the NBA says, listen, we're going to need hustle here. We're going to need defense. We're going to have to have one shot only. We're going to have to control the boards. We're going to have to get back, keep pushing, keep shooting. All right, on three, one, two, three, Richmond. And you're thinking, God, that's what they're saying? If you heard what they're saying during mound visits, you'd lose your mind. You'd think to yourself, hmm, I'm not sure they're doing the Bull Durham talking about what they're getting for dinner, but it's damn close. There's a lot of ass padding in baseball. You'll see a player strikes out, walk back to the dugout, and the coach will sometimes do the backhanded slap on the tuchus. Sometimes they do the forehand with the palm of their hand, and they do just above. I'm not talking about, what what was it, Coca? Oh, come on, we didn't rehearse this before the show. The Tampa Bay guy um, who abused a player, apparently, by grabbing a helmet. It was um, Bruce Arians. Thank you, Coca. So you see coaches, and we did a segment on that, but you generally see coaches with the tap. You don't say much. There's a lot of strategy that goes into when you talk to players, when you discipline players, when you choose to meet with them, when you choose to talk to them privately versus publicly. In theory, the best front offices have it all mapped out. If this game happens a certain way, we are going to do the following. You really try not to let it happen with emotion. You say, we're going to have a team meeting. We decide that during a game. If we see something going on during a game and we want to meet the team, we're thinking about it during the game and we're ready. Even if there's a walk-off win because we come back from five runs and all of a sudden the result was different, we'll do the team meeting because the thing that caused us to have the team meeting didn't go away because of a thing that happened. So for example, the Nuggets win game one, Malone is still frustrated because shots are falling, not by the heat, but by the Nuggets. The Nuggets win the game, but he's watching the game differently. And if you look at game two, the reason why the Nuggets lost the game, don't listen to all the pundits who are gonna talk to you this morning. Well, the Denver Nuggets lost the game because the heat somehow stopped Jokic from passing the ball. He only had three assists or four assists and he never has fewer than five. And when he does, the the Nuggets lose. Okay. When the Nuggets have Jokic score 40 plus points, then they're 0-3. Or only four times the whole season did he have fewer than five assists. 
They're 13 and one when he scores 40 or more points. Come on. That would be, if you want to believe these stats or you think that it's discussed even inside the locker room, then you would be saying, hey, Jokic, do me a favor. Right when you're within two feet of the hoop, if you don't mind, if you could just pass the ball to a teammate, give them the layup because we want you to have more assists, fewer points, because the stats say that's how we're going to win. It's a bunch of horse hockey. What happened in yesterday's game, in my opinion, was not a lack of effort by the Denver Nuggets. Effort is not manifested through three-point percentage shooting of the other team. Now, you're going to say, David, that's completely untrue. Because if you're closing out, if you've got a hand in his face, Mark Jackson pointed out during the game that there was a defensive play where the three-point defender didn't put his hand up. And all of a sudden, Duncan Robinson hits a shot in the fourth quarter. Sometimes players just hit shots. That's how it goes. So then why would the strategy be, let's call out my team? What do you think the Denver Nuggets players are thinking when they read the quote? And make no mistake, they read the quote. What do you think? We would, side note here, do you know that we would not broadcast the post-game press conference by the manager? We wouldn't have it in the clubhouse after a loss unless we specifically wanted it. After a win, we'd make sure the channels are on. After a loss, more times than not, we would turn off the TVs in the clubhouse because we didn't want the players to hear what the manager was saying because what he was saying was for the media, like, oh, yeah, we didn't have it. Of course we know we didn't have it. The pitcher went three innings, gave up seven runs. And by the way, we got two hits. We don't need to hear it from the manager. But if the manager is saying something that we want the players to hear, giving them a message publicly that they want, we want them to receive, we'll keep the TV on and keep the sound piped in. When the team loses, there's no music in the clubhouse, so you get the noise of the TVs, you get the sound. Sometimes when the team wins, but we still want a message given, the music goes on, but we will have the TVs up louder and turn the music lower so that the players can hear what's being said in the post-game press conference. Most of the players don't care, but it is like the subliminal messaging. You're doing it in a way that you're not forcing it on them. It's the non-team meeting way of communicating with your players, doing it through the media, through the post-game presser. But Malone has gone to this too many times. You are three games away from winning the first title in franchise history. It's not effort. Duncan Robinson hitting shots. Max Strauss hitting shots. Different from game one. Here's what it is. Say it with me on three. One, two, three. Make or miss. That's our league. When the Heat are going to shoot 50%, what was their final percentage, Coca, from threes? But they were shooting around 50% during the course of the game. And they were so hot in the fourth quarter, I assume that it ended up being close to that. The fact of the matter is, they're going to win. A number eight seed, the Miami Heat, now have home court advantage in a three out of five game series. Three out of five game series, they shot 48.6. That's pretty close to 50, Coca. I mean, that's... You could round that up to 49, and then you'd round that up to 50. But 48.6 is the exact. Thank you. So we talk about this 20 years ago 
there were five game series in the first round of the NBA. It was two for the team with home court advantage, two at home, then you're on the road for games three and four, and then back home for a deciding game five. I don't remember when they changed the first round to seven games, but five game series, better opportunity for upsets. It's a short series. You never know what's gonna happen. As the higher seed, you never felt comfortable in that. It's sort of like baseball embracing the two out of three. It's really tough to have a two out of three series. It's tough to have a one game takes all. We know this, right? You've seen it. Sorry, I just said, right, I've stopped that. I really don't say that much anymore. That must mean I've been thinking about that. I wonder whether I say it because I'm not confident in what I'm saying, but I'm totally confident in what I'm saying. So I don't need to say right, right? So the Miami Heat start a five game series with games one and two at home. The difference in this five game series is the Heat play games one, two, and four at home. Games three and five are on the road. Who's got the advantage? Las Vegas would tell you the Nuggets have the advantage as they are favored in Miami in game three by a point and a half or two and a half points, whatever the number is, something very small. And the reason is that the NBA has become not a home court advantage league. It's a make your shots league. So the Miami Heat have a 50% chance of winning a ring as a number eight seed. The Denver Nuggets have a 50% chance. It just matters who's going to shoot better for three out of the next five games. I can't believe it. How do you say it's effort when the Heat came out and shot 11 for 16 in the fourth quarter? Is that really effort? No. All right. That was the Heat game. There's a Stanley Cup going on. I'm not giving the Stanley Cup enough, enough love. We got game two, Las Vegas won game one, five to two. If you're not watching Stanley Cup hockey, you should be because Stanley Cup hockey is the coolest postseason to watch. Anytime you can get into overtime in a hockey game, it's number one. But someone had a question about the Stanley Cup that really also has to do with baseball. And I wanted to answer it for you today. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Half-Baked 2 without Dave Chappelle. No, it's Half-Baked 1. Half-Baked the movie. Get in my Twitter, David P. Samson. Ask a question. Here we go. Hi, David. Hello. Are you watching the Stanley Cup? Yes, I am. They, they didn't give me time to answer in between these questions. How can you think that the A's are not going to thrive in Las Vegas? The Golden Knights crowd is so loud and incredible. Thank you for asking that question. Quick side note, when you've got 19,000 people during the Stanley Cup or in any arena like the Denver Nuggets or like you'll see with the Heat when they are back home in Miami, or even in baseball in an outdoor facility in the postseason with 40,000 people waving their towels, it's pretty loud and pretty amazing. So to judge the Golden Knights based on the thriving crowd and the incredible crowd right now in the Stanley Cup, that's not a good comparator. But your question is a really good one. I believe that I can answer this question in under one sentence. 
but I'm going to not. I'm going to spend more time on it. But try this one sentence out. You asked me, how can you think the A's are not going to thrive in Vegas? Why hasn't the NBA expanded to Green Bay? Answer? Let me try another one. You remember the Buffalo Braves, Randy Smith, NBA team in Buffalo? Didn't quite work. When you've got a sports team in a city that's working, there is zero correlation, not 5%, not 80%, zero correlation to whether a sports team in another sport will work the same in that same city. Start with that as the main answer to your question. But then let's talk about the difference between hockey and baseball. Do you know where the Las Vegas Golden Knights started? Do you know where they moved from? They were relocated from space. Brand new team. No baggage, no nothing. Expansion. Number two. First team in the market. Ever heard the expression? Your first is your best. You never forget about your first. The relationship between the people in Las Vegas and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It's not that they were a hockey town. Las Vegas wasn't a hockey town. They were dying to be considered a professional sports town. When you talk to locals in Las Vegas, and it's not that they're getting 4,000 people a night as tourists. Sorry, Oakland, that's not how it's working. No matter what you're telling the legislature, people aren't flying in saying, oh, let's go to a Golden Knights game. It's not the NFL. The fans who live in Vegas, the locals who live in Henderson, they embraced the Golden Knights. They allocated their discretionary income to season tickets for the Golden Knights because they were the first people and now they're loyal. Baseball screwed the pooch. They waited too long to embrace gambling. They were scared of Vegas. They didn't move a team to Vegas fast enough. And if you're not first, you're last. The NFL does not count. The NFL took a relocated team, moved into Las Vegas. It's eight games a year. Every other year, it's nine. Forget preseason. Football is event-based. But David, you're saying football is event-based, but you're being inconsistent because then in Green Bay, it's just event-based. Then why couldn't they have an NBA team? Or in the Buffalo situation, why, could, why didn't the NBA work there? Ah, let's talk about the size. Do you know how small Las Vegas is in terms of a metropolitan area, in terms of people who live there? Do you know how poor people are in Las Vegas? Any thoughts on that? Do you know what it takes to fill a baseball stadium, full, even the smallest one, 30,000 a game, 80 games, 2.4 million? Do you know that you're filling 20,000 at the T-Mobile Arena and it's 40 games? Do you know that I used to say that in our worst year of attendance with the Marlins, we still outdrew the Heat and the Dolphins? Of course, we had twice as many games as the Heat and 10 times as many as the Dolphins, but I digress. In terms of total people through the turnstile, I could spin it like a top at inception. I could tell you, oh, don't tell me the Marlins have bad attendance. Take a look at the number of people who are fans of the Marlins and come to games. But no, we're looked at like the ugly stepchild who nobody attends. It's empty. Look at all those empty seats. Look at all those people dressed in blue. 
that's what the color of the seats were at Marlin Park, Marlins Park. It's apples to grapefruits. There's no relation whatsoever between what's going to happen with the A's in Vegas. Second thing that you're not thinking about, T-Mobile Arena has a roof. It's possible the new A stadium will have a retractable roof and be air conditioned. If not, you got a problem, but it needs to be fully climatized. But how are people going to get there? There has to be parking. People are not going to park and then walk a block or a mile the way they were with the first site they were looking at. And now on the Tropicana, they're at the end of the strip where everyone's saying, oh, every tourist is going to walk from the strip. Well, people who are coming in from the outskirts, they got to be somewhere. How is it going to work? It's a different season. Vegas during the summer is different than Vegas during the winter. It's a different weather model. Not relevant that the A's can't be good for the first year in Vegas if they move next year because they're so bad. Or if they move three years from now, there's no way to say what the A's could be. Maybe they'll bring in free agents. Maybe they'll have a brand new team. Maybe some of the minor leaguers who are playing at the major league level will develop into good players. You just don't know. The only thing that I can tell you for certain is that the excitement of watching Stanley Cup in Vegas the baseball people and the politicians who want to vote for the public financing are pointing to that and saying, look, we are a major sports city. We have handled hockey well. We have handled NFL well. We are ready for baseball. Well, coming from a market that was not ready to be, to have all four professional sports teams, hockey, football, basketball, and baseball, the market simply doesn't sustain it. If they go the way in baseball, as I suspected they will, and as we wanted to when we were going to move the Marlins to Vegas, which is making it a casino-based stadium, which is making attendance not mandatory, which is selling all your premium seats and suites in advance, food included, and then when people don't show, people don't show. Making a bunch of cheap seats for all the third shifters and second shifters who can maybe come to a game knowing that their median income is so low, not a lot of premium seats. They come in for a low price and hope that they fill that up and then buy a dog or two. If they do that, they have a decent chance of competing from a gate revenue standpoint but that doesn't answer how they'll compete from a TV revenue standpoint, given the size of the market, given the change in the TV landscape. There is no roadmap that I've seen from anyone. I have not seen one explanation or one financial projection from John Fisher or his group telling us where they're getting their TV revenue from, because I want to know. All I've seen are lies about what their attendance will be. I've seen absolute made up stories about economic impact. I've seen absolute ridiculous renderings that are not based in truth. And I've seen absolute misdirection as it relates to whether or not the bill is going to actually be passed. We haven't seen anything that's truthful. So the Oakland A's are figuring out if they're going to get a deal done in Oakland. Or are they going to get a deal done in Vegas? There's been a lot of talk about expansion fees and relocation fees. Do you remember I told you that Rob Manford actually said that they're going to waive the expansion fee? Of course, that has to get voted on by owners. But assuming that the owners waive the expansion fee to Vegas, which is an assumption that I'm absolutely unwilling to make, 
absolutely unwilling to make it until owners are dumb enough to believe the projections from the Vegas A's showing that the Vegas A's will not require revenue sharing in the way that the Oakland A's do, which will turn out to be completely incorrect. How do I know this? Because I submitted projections for the Miami Marlins showing that our revenue sharing would disappear. We wouldn't need money in Marlins Park. We would draw so many people at such a high average ticket price. We'd have a new TV deal, a naming rights deal. We would become revenue sharing neutral. And the other owners said, hip, hip, hooray. No more handouts to them. The Miami Marlins now receive in the top three of revenue sharing dollars of any team in baseball. I may argue persuasively, were I allowed to, that they're the number one receiver of revenue sharing dollars. <gasps> Is that possible in a new ballpark for a team that's been run by other people for now six seasons? Hmm. Maybe it is. Are owners going to fall for it again? A lot more going on with this story, but every day we read something new and I'm going to keep talking about it because it does interest me. The Oakland A's have not done a deal to move to Vegas. I'm going to keep saying it. The Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets are three wins away from an NBA championship. I'm going to continue to say it. Lionel Messi is not on Inter-Miami. I'm going to continue to say it. We are live every day at 8 a.m. Nothing personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. I'm going to continue to say it. Please keep sending me movie recommendations. When we come back, I'm going to review something that you told me to watch. And I'm going to call out the person not by name because you did not tell me what it was about. And I ended up watching it. And then we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects came out this weekend. We have a candidate, if not a winner, for the worst contract in the history of baseball. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Are you a hunter or an outdoor enthusiast? Take your love for firearms to the next level with Goat Guns. Our miniatures are an ideal addition to your hunting gear or cabin decor. Each model is meticulously crafted, capturing the essence of legendary firearms. Celebrate your passion for the outdoors by displaying these stunning pieces. With Goat Guns, you can showcase your love for hunting and firearms in a unique and artistic way. Explore our collection now and embrace your outdoor spirit at GoatGuns.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Hope you all had a good weekend. It's exciting. You don't have to live in Miami to be excited. You don't have to listen to the local hour on Levitard to be excited. You can just know that when this NHL Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals are going on at the same time, and you've got post-Memorial Day baseball going on, that's a great time in sports. It's always been my favorite time, actually, except for the 18 years when I was running a baseball team. But other than that, it's always been my favorite time. All right, so I watch a movie every day. I've been really trying to get better sleep. Someone came to me, Coke, I didn't tell you this over the weekend. I got a uh, a DM or an Insta M or an email. One of you suggested something about sleep that was very interesting to me. There's apparently a sleep therapist who is in the Midwest who specializes in getting people to clear their brain without medication. And it's not like the apps, the Calm app, where you count sheep or you come back from 100. I was thinking of maybe flying out there, but we do the show every day, so I don't know when I would do it. But anyway, I have plenty of time to watch a movie every day, which I do, or a TV series. Last week, we focused on the finales of all these series. I'm still not over it. I'm still annoyed. Coke and I had an argument pre-show, not an argument, but an interesting discussion. I've been disappointed with Brian Cox, who played Logan Roy in Succession, who in my opinion is acting very, very not gracious for the role he was given, for the fame he was given, for the money he was given, for the opportunity he was given to have this chapter in his career. We know, because I tell you that athletes don't care as much about the result as, we, as you think or as that you want them to do. I've told you my Alan Alda story when I met him, Hawkeye from MASH, and I asked him about his my favorite episode, which is The Joker is Wild, and he had no memory, none, didn't remember shooting it, didn't remember the script, didn't remember any part of it, and it just made me crazy. You hear from actors all the time who've never watched the movies, they don't see the full edited movie because when you shoot a movie, you don't know what it's gonna look like when it's done because it gets put together by editors. You, you film your part and you leave. People who are guest stars, like supporting actors, they film for three days, let's say, and then they're done. Brian Cox said that he never watched the end of Succession, hasn't watched the finale, has no plans to, and I thought that was normal until he acted sort of salty, saying I wasn't happy with how my character ended or I thought that I was killed off too early, blah, blah, blah. That bothered me. But anyway, I'm not dealing with the end of any shows right now. So I watched something and you said it very simply. Watch the movie and movie, keyword. You didn't say documentary. Watch the movie, Victim Suspect. So I found it and I said, that's not a movie, that's a documentary, but I'm not sure what it's about. Victim, suspect, turn it on. There is a filmmaker and a reporter who got together to do an entire movie. The reporter's name is Rachel DeLeon. 
who is a phenomenal investigative reporter. And she decided that she wanted to understand why there were so many places in our country where when you alleged a sexual assault in a fraternity, at an office party, anywhere, that there were different places where the victim of this crime became a suspect and was charged with the crime of falsely accusing someone of a sexual assault. This is a complicated issue. This documentary deals with the complicated issue. And let me give you both sides. The power to ruin lives exists not just with the ban or with the, let me, let me do it non-sex-based, non-gender-based. There's an assaulter and the assaulted. And I'm going to use those words for purposes of this point. The assaulted alleges that the assaulter does something. And in our society, the way it is, we're guilty until proven innocent. And even when proven innocent, it's page 12. Barely gets enough column inches to even consider. The number of people who read or you look at a populated Google blank charged with assault. The power of the assaulted to ruin the life of the assaulter can be just as powerful as what the assaulter does to the assaulted. The difference that I'm making, someone who actually assaults when there is an assault, I've got very strong views of what that type of punishment should be. No means no. Seth Rogen has a new show called Platonic on Amazon right now. And there's a scene when he is with a girl he meets night one and they are about to fornicate and he stops and says, do I have permission to proceed with sexual relations or a line like that? Meant to be funny, but not funny. I am a fan of that behavior by both parties in a situation where there are strangers or sometimes even family entering into any sort of sex, any sort of behavior that would be considered kinky, whatever you're into, getting complete approval from your partner without, oh, coca. Uh, I can't think of the word I'm, I, I want right now. I'm having a moment, stay with me. I'm not gonna take a break because we're live without acquiescence or without full understanding. I don't believe someone who's drunk or on drugs has the capability or the brain to say yes. The benefit of the doubt goes with the assaulted when there is alcohol or drugs involved. On the other hand, there are examples as shown in this documentary, in theory of the assaulted making up the assault and it can ruin and change the assaulter's life. But what happens when the police are involved? What happens when the investigators are involved and the person who did the assaulting 
is someone who's involved in a high profile family in a community. And all of a sudden you've got police who may be covering up, who may not be asking the right questions, who may be treating the victims as though they are suspects and then actually charging them and not actually investigating to get to the bottom of whether or not an assault happened. That type of behavior by investigators is what makes the entire landscape of sexual assault so complicated. So I left this movie, thankful that you asked me to see it, but I left this documentary absolutely furious. And the reason I'm furious is that in order for us to properly protect victims' rights, which right now are not being protected in myriad ways, not just victims of assault, victims in general, the benefit of the doubt goes to the power, it goes to the money, and this is not a political statement, this is a factual statement. We need to count on the integrity of the investigators. And when we don't have that integrity, we need people like Rachel who are gonna try to get to the bottom of what actually happened. Victim suspect, thank you for the suggestion. Please check it out. Okay, let's talk about baseball. We got word yesterday or Saturday, Saturday or Sunday that the Washington Nationals pitcher named Steven Strasburg is shut down for an unspecified, undetermined amount of time for nerve damage. You may not remember Steven Strasburg, but let me remind you that he was the most valuable player in the 2019 World Series. Did he win the MVP, Coca? In the 2019 World Series victory by the Washington Nationals, who never got to enjoy the World Series because COVID came during the 2020 season. They never got to cash in on winning the World Series. They had an unbelievable run in 19. So happy for Ted Lerner, the late patriarch of the Washington Nationals. And he was, Steven Strasburg was the MVP of the World Series. He had a postseason to die for. And it just so happened, wink, wink, that that was the year he was able to opt out of his contract. He had signed a long-term deal with the Nationals, which to me was an overpay when he signed it because Strasburg is a Boris client. And what Boris did was convince Ted Lerner, which he spent his life doing. I wonder what Scott's doing now with the Nationals, knowing that he can't take advantage of Ted Lerner. I wonder what that means. I guess you only have 29 other teams to maybe take advantage of, Scott, because no longer Lerner's there to take your calls. So Scott Boris signs, always hurt. He was the number one guy when they got Strasburg and Harper in maybe back-to-back -back drafts when they were rebuilding. It was the equivalent of when Houston had those great drafts with Correa, et cetera, when they were building their team from their 100 loss stretch. The Nationals did it right. They were patient. They got stars. They developed. They signed them. They played them. They won a World Series. But this opt-out provision that is so common in baseball now, listen to me, baseball people, because I know you're watching. You can't win with an opt-out. You're guaranteed to lose. Can you imagine playing a baseball game where at the first pitch, no matter what the odds are, no matter if you're the Oakland A's playing the Tampa Bay Rays, you still have a chance to win. In an opt-out, you have zero chance to win. Not 1%, not 5%, zero. Because if the player gets more money from somewhere else, they will opt out and sign for more money. 
If you want to keep the player, you have to let the player opt out, then re-sign the player. And if the player doesn't opt out, it means you're overpaying the player because they're not worth what's left on their contract. You can't win ever. But all the players want opt-outs now. I gave in to Giancarlo Stanton. Love you, G. You know I do. Really. Love. But that opt-out, it crushed me. Still the only one I ever gave. Crushed me having to give that. Steven Strasburg wins the World Series. Happens to be on the year he has an opt-out. Threatens the Nationals he's going to opt out and leave. And gets the Nationals to give him $245 million over seven years. Two forty-five over seven for a guy who had a moment. It was a moment. The number of people who sign players after a moment would stagger you. These are smart people. These are people who shouldn't be swayed by recency bias, who shouldn't be swayed by looking at a World Series and saying, oh my God, we just won. I'm going to overpay the player now. But when you don't, you get criticized. When we let Pudge Rodriguez go, because he wanted to get paid 10 million a year for four years and the Tigers offered it to him. We got summarily criticized. Fire sale, post-World Series, how could you do that? How could we not do that? But the Nationals were putty in Scott Boras's hand. Strasburg signs for 245 over seven. And let me tell you how he's done since then. He started eight games. 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Grant you, 2020 was a short season because of COVID, 60 games. That means if you start every five games, let's say you get 12 starts. 2021, that was full. That'd be 35 starts. We're up to 47. 47 plus 35 is 82. That would be 2022. We're about 10 starts in here, right? That'd be about 92. He started a total of eight. That's 10% of the possible starts since he signed the contract. Do you know that he's thrown a total of 31 innings pitched since he signed that contract? 31 innings. And let me give you the best part. (laughs) He's getting paid through 2029 with a contract that goes through 2026 because of all the deferred money. He's been paid $109 million or, as Coca told me, $207,000 per pitch that he's thrown. And he's not going to play again. People are making a big deal that the Nationals had no insurance. There are plenty of big contracts that are not insured by teams. They do something called self-insuring. That's when you just say if he's hurt, we'll keep him in the payroll and we'll make it part of the team but we are not going to pay the premiums that are required of this player because the insurance companies don't want to insure a player who's hurt all the time. When insurance brokers, this is one little nugget that makes me smile. When insurance brokers know more about your players than you do and are willing to tell you that you're being an idiot for signing this player and you ignore them because what you say is you don't know squat about crap. We're the GM and the president of this team, and we know that bringing Strasburg back matters to our fans and to our ability to defend this title, and we got to reward him for what he just did. And the insurance people look at you and say, 
Good luck with that. Now, will that impact the sales price for the Washington Nationals? Because the Nationals are for sale. When they know that they've got to pay a player not to play, guess what that's called? A PPA, a purchase price adjustment. Not one person, Ted Leonisis or anybody else bidding for the Nationals is going to take on Strasburg's contract. They're going to agree on an enterprise value for the worth of the Nationals and then subtract what is owed by Strasburg when the actual money changes hands. The new owners still have to pay Strasburg every two weeks until 27. But the amount due, that'll be subtracted. It's the worst contract ever. I'm going to give you actually an official wait to see. Ready? Scott, you listening? I know you are. Congratulations. You still get 5%. So you're laughing all the way to the bank, which sickens me. It gives me a tummy ache right here in my tummy that's full of spring rolls. Steven Strasburg will never pitch another major league inning. He's done. His injury is career ending. You will look back at his career and you'll say, it was fine. Got a World Series, but that's it. Hall of Fame arm with a minor league body. That happens. That's not a criticism of Steven or of Scott. The number of players with great talent who don't make it, it would stagger you. But Steven Strasburg, he takes the cake. He's in the Business Hall of Fame. Wait to see. It's official. Nothing personal pick of the day. Wait. All right. Cardinal fans. We know there's 1.4% are watching from St. Louis right now. Thank you. Keep watching. Keep telling your friends. I'd like to see that brought up a little bit because I know more people in St. Louis than are watching. Andy Cohn, are you watching? You like the Cardinals. What the hell is going on? Worst record in the National League. An ace in Jack Flaherty, who's now not an ace. There's no doubt you've got to beat the Pirates when you play them. But they didn't. We lost Friday night. Saturday, we had Andrew Heaney and the Rangers. That was plus money, Coca. We had Andrew Heaney. Why Andrew Heaney's plus money? We have a wait to see that Heaney has a better season than Syndergaard. I think we already won that. The Rangers beat the Mariners. That's a win. Last night, we had the Heat plus nine versus the Nuggets. Nailed it. We are 84 and 87 after a two and one weekend. Let me give you two right now for today. Big, big series starting in baseball tonight between two teams that are in trouble. But only one of them realizes it. San Diego Padres are playing the Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs are deciding whether or not they're going to give in even after all the money they spent in free agency when they signed Mancini and they signed Bellinger and they signed Swanson and everyone was all excited about the Cubs and they have the worst offense. They absolutely stink. The Padres are never going to sell at the deadline. They're going to buy, 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 which to me is a mistake. I told you they should sell. I think they should sell. I may even have a way to see that they're going to sell because they got to wake up and smell the financial coffee that they're losing money and they're not good enough, period. Padres are minus 170 over the Cubs. Two potential sellers were taking the Padres. Stanley Cup game two. Panthers, Vegas. 
Golden Knights. NBA Finals, you had the Miami team, South Florida team, win on the road in game two to make it a three out of five with home court advantage for the Heat. We're about to see history repeat itself. The Panthers are going to win game two in Vegas tonight. That's going to become a three out of five series with the Panthers having home ice advantage. That means that two South Florida teams, two number eight seeds, are going to be involved in a three out of five series to win it all with home field advantage. If you're not excited for what's going on in South Florida right now, then you're not paying attention because it's damn cool and rare. The amount of money that is flowing into South Florida right now because of professional sports, I've got one economic analyst who says it's $6.9 billion. I've got another one who says it's negative $2.6 trillion. The truth is in between, but there's a lot going on in South Florida, and most of it is just business. Nah, that was only okay. It's Monday. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal. 